Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ormark on the World Show. We're excited today. We have Neri Patani with us. She is the Nicholas Kristof New York Times Win a Trip winner. Uh, she traveled with him to Liberia and wrote several articles in the New York Times about her experiences. And keep, in keeping with the tradition, we've invited her to be on the show this year. Uh, so stick with us. You don't want to miss one minute of this discussion. Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. And Erin, welcome to the show. We're thrilled to have you. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Well, it is uh, an honor uh, not to be on my show, but to be uh, a New York Times win a trip winner with Nick Kristoff. That is a really cool award for uh, a young journalist. How did you uh, how did you enjoy it? What did you learn from Nick? Uh, wow, so many things. Um, like you said, it, it's definitely an honor to be able to go on an international reporting trip with someone like Nick, who's done this for years and done it so well. Um, so for me, I was sort of trying to soak up every bit of knowledge I could. Um, but I think if I had to pick one thing, uh, I think Nick really taught me the importance of just showing up as a journalist, like not always going in with a preconceived idea for a story or, I mean, obviously he, he went in very prepared and we had those, but I think along the way, he's always so open to hearing new stories and new ideas um, or just, you know, let's, uh, we're passing by a public school. Let's just stop by the school and see what it's like. And, and we ended up doing that once and it turned out, you know, none of the teachers were there and all the students were just kind of playing around. And then he decided to ask the students, you know, what did they know about, um, basic things like math? Could you, you know, add this? Could you write this letter? And just great stories come out that way. So I think really being open-minded and looking out for new experiences and just showing up in person to witness what you can um, was one of the biggest things I took away from him. You know, it, it is an interesting lesson you highlight because it's not altogether dissimilar from some of the feedback we've had from past Win a Trip winners. A great lesson for uh, aspiring journalists like you and me. Um, what did you feel like you learned from Liberia, from the experience of being there? I think, I'm not sure if this sounds a little silly, but I learned how little I know. I think that, you know, traveling to, I've never been to West Africa before, and Nick and I spent a lot of times in rural areas more so than cities. And just, it, it was also new to me. I'd never been in a place like that before. And the idea that you can travel for four hours from a city, six hours from a city to get some of these places, um, the roads are all dirt sometimes the bridges have um you know planks that plate like metal plates have fallen out of the bridges so there's wooden planks you have to walk across to get there and it's one thing when I'm thinking about it from my perspective as a journalist and I want to get somewhere and tell a story but it's another when you talk to these villagers who are trying to access health care or who have an emergency and then have to travel those four to six hours and don't have a car like we had um, so I think it gave me a new perspective on um, the different ways people live and how little I know about how different people live around the world. And I feel like that's something I always find with journalism. I'm always finding out things I don't know and need to learn more about and want to learn more about. What did you learn from, uh, I think it was Maya Zongo and uh, Rodney C. at the uh, Front Page Africa. Yeah, they were amazing. Um, so 
Nick and Nick knew Rodney and he had reached out to us because we were going to be there. Um, so he came by to meet us one night. Um, and meeting May was not even planned. She just came along with Rodney and they were the most amazing, inspiring journalists I think I've ever met. Uh, in the sense that like they are facing obstacles that are so much greater than what we're facing in the U.S., even you know, given current climate or changing conditions. Um, May wrote about uh, female genital mutilation and then was forced into hiding with her uh, you know, young daughter because they were getting death threats. But she was so vibrant and so happy to talk to me about it and talk to me about how she's still going to do this reporting and that she's not intimidated. And it was just kind of a step back. And I was already on a trip with you know, Nick Kristoff, this journalist that I want aspire to become like. And then you meet these other people who are so brave and really believe in the meaningfulness of their work and that they want to ha have an impact. Um, and I was just sitting there like, I want to be all of these people someday. Well, it, it is uh, just an inspiring example of the nobility of journalism kind of at its best. And um, what, did, how did you feel when you were visiting that rural government hospital in Liberia where they had fewer drugs than you had? personally with you? I felt guilty in the sense that it, it just doesn't make sense, right? It's not fair that I, as someone going on a 10-day trip, had amoxicillin, had ibuprofen, had things that are pretty basic, um, whereas this one hospital that's serving like 75,000 people didn't have the same resources. And so I, I was, I felt bad and guilty in the sense that, you know, why do I have all this when they can't? And also shocked. I, I mean, it's not that I get the idea that hospitals in uh, different in the developing world may have different resources and have challenges. And you, you, I've read about it before, but going there and seeing it in person and seeing like, you know, you don't have amoxicillin at a hospital or you don't have ibuprofen, like it just kind of blew my mind. Um, and trying to understand all the reasons behind why that is, is more, was more confusing than I realized. It's not just one thing. You can't just point to corruption or you can't just point to infrastructure challenges. There are so many moving parts to that. And, and the deficits at the hospital weren't just drugs. Uh, the hospital didn't have uh, consistent electricity. Most rooms didn't have running water. Uh, it sounded to me like it could barely be described as a hospital. I think you said there was one doctor in the hospital. Yeah, yeah that, that was one of the biggest things to me. They had one doctor, and sometimes, like, they have nurse anesthetists, but sometimes, like, during surgery, if they're not around, the, you know, some people will be doing double duty. So, like, you'll do surgery and you'll do the anesthesia, and you're, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, how does this work and how are these people, you know, you have half maybe of the staff you'd have in a comparable uh, U.S. hospital. Uh, and so the, the doctor I spoke to, um, Dr. Condi, actually lives basically on the hospital grounds because anytime anything happens, he's the only person to, you know, he's the only physician you can go to. Um, everything else is run by nurses or physician's assistants. You did a great piece about breastfeeding after you came back from Liberia. What did you learn about breastfeeding? A ton. I mean, so I'm 22 and I have not uh, had any personal experience with that. 
Um, and so it was a topic that uh, Nick's really passionate about, and he had asked me to look into it. And so he provided, you know, a wealth of resources when it comes to journal articles, um, experts talking about the benefits of breastfeeding, the challenges of breastfeeding, um, breastfeeding rates in de the developing world versus the new world, um, sort of uh, the common misconceptions around breastfeeding. And so then I actually, you know, took that background research. And when we were in uh, Liberia traveling different villages, different hospitals, I got to talk to um, new mothers, young mothers about uh, what, what they practice and found, you know, they're, it seems like a lot of them are um, getting educated by midwives at hospitals or um, aid workers but there are still some misconceptions about, like, you know, the first milk is bad for the baby because it's a different color, or on hot days you have to give your baby water instead of breast milk, um, when in reality that can actually be harmful and the child might get sick from things in the water that obviously wouldn't be in the mother's breast milk. So it was definitely a huge learning experience for me because, quite honestly, I knew nothing going into that. Now, you had some great experiences, I think, before you went with Nick, uh, when you were interning for the uh, Texas Tribune, and you did a story there about a landfill. Tell us a little bit about your experience there. Yeah, so that was actually what I wrote about for my application essay for Nick's trip. Uh, when I was a summer intern at the Texas Tribune, I got the opportunity to go down to Laredo, which is a town on the uh, border of Texas and Mexico. And I was sent to cover a story about a proposal for a very large landfill, um, which was going to be developed by a wealthy landowner uh, just a few miles from El Colonia, which is basically an unincorporated settlement. So these are people who own the land and live there, but it's not a formal town or a city. Um, so a lot of times they don't have services like city water, running water, trash collection. Um, they don't have paved roads or street signs. Um, so when I was given this story, I, to preface this, I was born in Connecticut, went to school in Boston. Uh, and so I did not know what a colonia was. And I showed up at this place, and I was given the directions uh, by the man I was interviewing. He said, you know, drive 20 miles out of town at this blinking light, pull over by this mound of dirt, and I'll come get you. And I was like, what? And I didn't understand it because until I went to see it, I didn't realize such communities existed in the U.S., places where there's not you know, base, things that I think of as basic, street signs, paved roads, uh, running water, electricity everywhere. Um, and so doing that story was really eye-opening for me in the sense that I know really very little about this country, and um, there's a lot of places I need to explore and educate myself on. And if there are these issues, I want to be, you know, bringing light to them and hopefully making a difference. But the first step is learning about them and hopefully, you know, educating others about it along with myself. Really interesting uh, take. I appreciate you sharing your thoughts from that experience. Um, last year I interviewed Cassidy and two years ago I interviewed Austin, the pre pre previous win a trip winners. One of the things that Cassidy told me was that she had watched my interview with Austin before she applied uh, now, I don't know whether you watched either of those interviews, but there is a chance that some of the applicants for 
the next Win a Trip contest will watch this interview. What advice would you have for those applicants for winning the trip? Huh. So I've actually, I've been asked this a bunch, and I feel like I don't have a perfect answer because it's not like, I, I did ask Nick about this a little bit, you know, why, why you chose me, what are you looking for? But it's not just one thing, like, for in choosing me, part of it was um, my experience, my background with journalism, working other places, um, the types of stories I did. But he's, he's taken all types of people before, right? It's not just journalism students, taken medical students and engineering students. I think one of the biggest things is just to be really authentic and explain why this is important to you in a personal way. Um, obviously, it's an amazing opportunity. It's so cool to have the chance to travel with him, to travel to new places. But I think um, it's helpful to have a more specific personal reason behind it. Uh, and if you can tell it in a narrative way. So in my application, I wrote about this story where I was interviewing someone in Colonia and what that experience meant to me and how that changed my view of uh, journalism and what I want to do in my career that way. Uh, so I think if you can really be true and make it very personal so that he can get a better sense of who you are and why you want to do this. Fantastic. Was it worth it? You went to a lot of trouble to make the application. Uh, do you feel like it paid off? Hands down. That was one of the best experiences I've had, and I think I've never done anything like it before. I, I hope I get to do more like it in the future, but uh, absolutely no regrets on anything. I wish I could do it again. You ended up interning for the New York Times over the summer. Did the Win a Trip contest help you get the internship? Uh, no. So there are two separate applications, and I actually had gotten the internship uh, before I got the Win a Trip. Um, but Nick was nice enough to ask them to rearrange my dates so that I could travel with him. Oh, that's great. Well, uh, you know, you uh, are someone I certainly admire your commitment to journalism. Uh, who is someone that you admire and look up to as a role model? Um, so I think my grandma is someone I've always looked up to since I was a little kid. I think I've learned a lot from her about hard work and positivity and sort of taking the hand you're dealt and using it to leave a positive impact. I actually wrote about her or mentioned her in one of the blog posts that I wrote about uh, about, you know, girls and their mothers and fighting for their education. And so my grandma was very smart and loved school, but was not allowed to continue past um, high school. And so rather than, you know, being bitter or angry about that, she sort of took what she had. Um, she knew she was still very smart, so she and then she got married at, and then very young and then started her own business selling honey out of the home. And so she was still able to make out of it what she wanted. And then, like I mentioned in the blog post that I wrote, she really fought for my aunt and my mother to go to college so that they could have what she wasn't able to. And so even, you know, when she talks to me, she's so excited when she hears what classes I'm taking or that I graduated college or anything. She's never bitter about it. She's always about how can I help make this better for other people. Why journalism? So it, it's two reasons, I guess. When I first got into journalism, it was because I love to learn. I'm kind of nerdy. Like, I get really excited for the first day of classes and 
reading a syllabus and being like, oh, I'm going to learn about all these new things. And so I think journalism is a career that's as close as you can get to being a student. Uh, you're always writing about a new topic. You get the privilege of calling up people and asking them questions, people who are experts in their field, and at the same time dropping into villages and homes and asking people to share their lives with you. And I think that's amazing. It's, uh, it's so much fun to do, and you can never really get bored of it. And then the more I did journalism, the more I realized that it can also be a great uh, vehicle for change. If you want to bring awareness to things that people don't know about, things that I don't know about, um, this is a great way to sort of make it your job in life to do that and have fun doing it. What's your superpower? <laughs> uh, so I don't know if this is exactly a superpower, but it's definitely something that helps me in journalism in my life is just being curious and always wanting to know more and wanting to find out more. I think any type of change you want to bring about, if it's advocacy or, um, you know, protesting or legislative change policy, anything you want to do has to start with knowledge and learning about stuff. And I think just being curious has helped me in that. It's helped me in journalism, right? You can't tell a story unless you find a story and you find stories by just being curious. And that's definitely something I saw a lot of in Nick. And so I hope that's a superpower I can develop further. And Ari, you've been great. And I really appreciate you taking the time to, to join us. Before you go, and I know your time is limited, take a minute and just tell us how people can learn more about you and your work. Absolutely. Um, so you can always find me on Twitter. I'm at Anari Patani, or I also have a website um, that has a bunch of my work and also has a contact me form. That's uh, anari-patani.squarespace.com. Fantastic. Well, Anari, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today, and we wish you every success in uh, having a great uh, journalistic career. Thank you so much. It was great talking to you. All righty. Let's do some good. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts on Air and is available at youtube.com forward slash Devonthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devon hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devin is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for, and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com. Check out my free crowdfunding webinar for nonprofits at goodcrowd.tips.